One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the show that explores biography through music, and the stories that our guests are taken back to when they hear that music. Thanks for listening. I'm Richard Chinqui. My guest today is Dr. Jake Von Scheer, creator and host of the Educational AD Podcast, which showcases high school athletic directors, coaches, and Olympic athletes from across the country and around the world. He's also the author of The Athletic Director's Toolbox and has served as president of the FIAAA and several other state and national athletic associations. But I know him simply as Coach, because he was my high school football coach. And when he called me up 20 years after graduation and said he's living in our area and that he's a big fan of the show, I thought to myself, well, we've made it, and began looking through my calendar for a date to have him in. That date has come, so here's the show. Hey there, Coach. Good morning. (laughs) Uh, I last saw you when I was a high school senior. And that would have been 2002. <laughs> and that's crazy. Um, I'm kind of bummed that we never did get to run Chinqui Wright. Do you remember that play? Absolutely. We had v- different versions for different individuals. Yeah. But the, that was something we always tried to include in our playbook. <laughs> um, what is your earliest memory that you have of music? Like your earliest musical memory? I, I, I guess it would have to be in the living room, you know, back in the 60s, uh, because, you know, Sunday night it was Ed Sullivan and, you know, there were only four stations to choose from. And that's what was on. And uh, for those that don't remember that, uh, certainly before your time, (laughs) uh, it it was really kind of cool because you, um, they would have uh, musical acts that were popular at the time, you know, the Beatles and, and everybody. Uh, but you all also would have individuals that were involved in Broadway shows, and they would sing, you know, that uh, so-called hit song. Uh, a, just such a diverse selection of performances, uh, and I just remember, you know, my mom and dad, and my brothers and sisters, you know, sitting around the old black and white TV, you know, watching that. Did you did you get to see the Beatles on Ed Sullivan when they were on? Um, I don't have that exact memory, okay. but I can't imagine that we missed it uh, because it was that's what you did on Sunday nights. All right. um, can you recall a time, uh, maybe the earliest that you remember that music moved you beyond just like, that's nice to listen to, but like you felt something when you heard it? Well, again, as a kid, uh, you know, riding in the car with your mom and dad, the old AM radio, um, you know. And my my parents, uh, or I guess maybe it was just the fact the station in our small town in Oregon that we listened to, it was playing, you know, Andy Williams and Peggy Lee, Mm -hmm. but it also had pop tunes. And, uh, you know, I remember as a a little kid, you know, singing along, you know, with my parents uh, in the car. And that makes a big uh, impression, I think, later on that uh, I ended up doing and uh, my wife and I ended up doing with our kids. Um, So for you, it's that connection to... Uh, the location, like your or, and the people around you, when you were listening to that music. No, absolutely. I mean, a, a song will come on. You know, I, I mentioned Andy Williams. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, one of my dad's favorite songs. You know, we're driving through the country just outside of our town. What was when, the town in? Uh, it was the Dalles, Oregon. It's in the Columbia Gorge area, um, east of Portland. Okay, uh, it's where we grew up uh, until I was maybe in you know junior high. Okay. 
But when that song comes on on that radio station by random uh, that I'll hear maybe every two years, you know, I'm instantly taken back to that drive with my dad on that mm. country road and him maybe humming, singing occasionally to that song. So, yeah, it's the places, the people uh, that yeah. t- that stick out. Do you remember what he was driving? At that point, it would have been uh, a 1964 uh, Ford Galaxy 500. Oh, Galaxy. Uh, <laughs> one of uh, I think he, he bought it, uh, you know, maybe a year old, but uh, blue car. Uh, just can remember the dashboard detail mm-hmm. and the upholstery. You know, it was a very cool car. Anybody in the house play any instruments? Uh, in my growing up, no, absolutely not. Uh, and I remember there was a discussion once at the dinner table. Um, you know, by that time, you know, my older brother had was who was eleven years older. You know, was out of the house, and so it was pretty much myself and my older sister and my younger sister, very close. Uh, there was a discussion about piano lessons, and I, I think I had an interest, but you know, I was just going to wait till the decision was made. They certainly weren't asking my opinion, right? Uh, and I remember the discussion, but nothing ever came of it. Uh, and so, I growing up. Uh, parents weren't musical. You know, I was not in band at all. Uh, but I do remember, you know, not so much to this day, but in high school and especially college, I remember that guy that would walk into the room and sit down at the piano and start playing mm-hmm. and everyone would cluster around. I was always a little bit envious of, of that person. Uh, so yeah. It just, you, it just wasn't part of my uh, growing up. If you could jack into your brain matrix style and learn any instrument, you know, with a push of a button, what instrument would you learn? I guess piano, just because of those types of memories. Uh, I've got a couple of friends uh, over the years that were guitar players, and uh, they they would try to teach me this chord or that chord, just completely, you know, thumbs <laughs> on everything. But uh, yeah, I think the piano would be pretty cool. Okay. Um, uh, do you still listen intentionally to any of the music that you would associate with your parents, or is it only when it's happenstance? Well, the the presets on my car radio, uh, you know, there's always or de- not always, but typically there's that station that plays, you know, let's say 50s, 60s, 70s. Sure. And I went to high school and college in the decade of the 70s. And then there's that other station that's more 70s, 80s, 90s. So <laughs> uh, as when that song comes on that you don't like, you'll change the station and, you know, yeah, oh, yeah, that's a song that my mom, you know, used to sing to me when I was a little kid. Uh, I've got my playlists on my phone, you know, when I'm working out. Um, Don't have anything from the mom and dad era, but uh, certainly from my junior high, high school, college days and beyond. Oh, sure. Um, Did uh, did your uh, sister's... Um, did your older sister or maybe even your older brother, did either of them influence your music tastes? And then conversely, did you affect your sister's, your younger sister's music tastes? Did you guys introduce anything to each other? Um. Because um, I, I, there was a, a period of time, about three or four years, where my brother, my older brother, had moved back home um, and uh, was working for my dad. Um, so the three boys were in this big dormitory type room mm. in, in a house, and so that's I think where I really got exposed to um, other aspects of music. Uh, my my brothers uh, had their. Uh, stereo, if you will. It's the classic configuration, uh, older brothers. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, um, you know, I graduated in 1975, so people can do the math. But, uh, <laughs> you know, when I was in junior high, um, you know, my uh, listening list 
was, uh, you know, the doors and, you know, the animals and Crosby, Stills, Nash and & Young and, and just James Gang and, and people of that ilk. Uh, listening on the radio, it would be all the pop tunes of those late 60s, sure. et cetera. So uh, I, I got, a, I think, a good education in music that, you know, I still listen to most of those same artists, you know, today. Um, I remember my sister had a separate bedroom, and uh, she at the time, you know, big Simon and Garfunkel fan. Oh, which sure, yeah. N- was never played in my brother's room, <laughs> uh, but many of those songs, you know, were pretty cool. Um, my younger sister was four years younger, uh, and so. Uh, I remember she was a Beatles fan, uh, but she was also at the time a Bay City Rollers fan, uh, which just you know completely alienated me, uh, and, and I couldn't relate to that at all. But uh, uh, so I, I don't think there was a lot of cross education there uh, going downward. Sure, but uh, certainly from my brothers and my older sister. All right, you you mentioned the year and doing the math, and I just as a quick aside, I want to say that like. Minus the mustache that I, in my head, associate with you having, basically, as long as we knew each other, um, you look almost exactly <laughs> as I remember 20 years ago. I I would have guessed that you just kind of stepped out of my high school era and into the studio today. Uh-huh. It's it's uncanny. You are, just, you, you are too kind. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, and again, we, we talked earlier, the mustache comes and goes. It comes I, in, that's fine. <laughs> I, I had it for uh, for many, many years. My kids growing up had never seen me without a mustache. And, uh, um, you know, Megan, our oldest, who goes by May now, uh, will frequently tell me, grow it back. <laughs> uh, and our son, Tyson, uh, uh, he, he says, you know, when I look at you, I see the mustache, whether you have it or not. That's fair. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> uh, do you remember the first music that you owned that was yours? Well, <clears throat> the first album that I bought uh, was actually not musical. Uh, it was a George Carlin Ooh, comedy yeah, okay. album. Yeah, a huge George Carlin fan uh, growing up, and I think at one time I know I still have some in my collection. Uh, uh, I think at one time I had probably nine or ten concert albums. Um, the first uh, music that I uh, bought um, was after my brothers uh, had uh, moved out uh, um, of the house. Uh, and it was an album that they uh, had, which um, is, as you know, is, is going to be my, you know, my first song yeah, selection. Yeah, a good time, yeah. Um, um, you know, when people hear, uh, I think maybe of my era, when they hear Jethro Tull and Ian Anderson, you know, they immediately think of, you know, either Aqualung or maybe, you know, Living in the Past, something like that. This was actually um, their first album. And uh, the album was This Was. Uh, and the song that I heard that my brothers w- were playing one day uh, was a song called Beggar's Farm. Yeah. And it was just so – it was nothing like I had ever heard before. Um, the the music, the melody, the, uh, you know, Ian Anderson's voice and flute. Uh, Rock flute. Uh, it, it, was, it was just uh, – and, and many people that don't know, they think that Ian Anderson is Jethro Tull. Right. Uh, but uh, anyway, the song just really hooked me. And I, I that was the moment I was in junior high. Uh, that I became a Jethro Tull fan and, and began to listen to the other albums that they had. And, of course, a couple years later, uh, when Aqualung was released and everybody, at least in my little group, uh, mm-hmm. became a Jethro Tull fan, I could say, hey, 
know, this is good stuff, but you need to listen to some of the earlier you stuff were, too. You were like an early era um, of what, so what we call hipsters now, you were, you were like, <laughs> I liked them before they were cool. Like you liked Jethro yeah. Tull before Aqualung. I, I like to say that I, it was probably the only time in my life that I was an early adapter. Yeah, okay. yeah. You know, usually I'm getting on the bandwagon. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was going to say, I was going to ask if you wanted to uh, tell that story, but you kind of just did. Um, so you first heard this song. Um, if anybody hasn't guessed, this is uh, your first song. Um, the first time you heard it, was it, um, it, so it was in your brother's and your room kind right. of all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had to go out and buy it when they left. Like it was, I mean, you well, needed this album. Uh, I, I purchased it. It was a couple of years later mm-hmm. when I actually, you know, had money. Uh, <laughs> you know, when my dad started paying me for, you know, the, the work that we did on the weekends. Uh, it wasn't the first album I bought, but I, I, I want to say it might have been the first or second musical album that I bought. But the song itself just uh, that started my whole. Uh, I'm not going to say obsession, but uh, admiration okay. of uh, Jethro Tull. All right, well, let's hear it. Um, so this is uh, Jake Von Scher's first song on today's episode of Three Song Stories. It's Beggar's Farm by Jethro Tull off the 1968 album This Was. So you said you could see your you and your brother's room. Oh, well, listen. <laughs> absolutely. It was a big, long dorm room. My dad had built the house. Uh, you know, my bed was, uh, our three beds were in a row. I was off against the window. Stereo was in the corner. You know, this was, uh, I'm sure multiple times, my dad's yelling up the stairs, turn that down. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, great memories, great memories. Awesome. Um, was Jethro Tull in line uh, with the overall music scene when you were in high school, um, I know you you know you mentioned Aqualung come out, came out and it became more popular. But was anybody listening to that when you were listening to that? Oh, I, I think they were listening to you know the tracks that got played on FM radio, which mm-hmm. was still in its infancy then. Um, I, I mean, looking back, uh, I mean that was the Doobie Brothers, and you know Chicago was just getting started, and uh, Grand Funk Railroad, uh, you know. I, I think those were probably more uh, mainstream types of music. Back then, uh, when we had a high school dance, we actually had bands. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you didn't have the, the DJ come in. And those were the songs that the bands were playing uh, that we would, uh, in air quotes, dance to. Speaking of, um, what kind – if I say high school slow dance, what's the first song that just jumped into your head? <laughs> oh, wow. Uh <laughs> The first song. I'm I'm having a senior moment here. Uh, I I remember one of our uh, proms. It might well it might have been homecoming. Uh, that's how long ago it was. But uh, you know, Chicago, uh, color my world. Okay, you know that was <laughs> yeah. that was a slow song uh, favorite. Okay. okay. Um, now, are you nowadays? Are you a dancer in general? Do you dance? Uh, Jan and I will get out occasionally to a. Uh, uh, I, I don't know if we should say club, a, uh, <laughs> a restaurant, a bar. A discotheque. There you go. <laughs> that does uh, music. And uh, rarely uh, we'll get out there and, and kind of do our version of you know swing dancing <laughs> to the upbeat songs. But, of course, uh, I'll take my wife out there for a slow dance. Yeah. Right on. Um, did you ever make or receive uh, a mixtape as a romantic overture? That was no, uh, but in the days that I might have received that type of gift, uh, you know, high school and college, that was very much, um, you know, recording Mm. was in its uh, infancy. Um, You know, I think cassette tapes came out maybe my 
sophomore, junior in high school. Until then, it was everybody had eight tracks in their car. Hard to make eight track mixtapes for people. It'd be a challenge. Uh, but um, in college, you know, I. I spent way too much money on my own stereo system that had the two cassette decks in it. So, you know, you, you could do that. I don't, and it was, it was beyond my comprehension to make a tape for somebody else. I was making it for myself. Sure. Um, do you and your wife's musical tastes align? Sort of, kind of, to a degree. She is, um, uh, again, I'm dating myself, you know, the old Donnie and Marie oh, sure, uh, yeah, variety yeah. show. She's a little bit country. Mm-hmm. A little bit uh, she, Jan is a little more country than I am, but she's helped me broaden my uh, horizons a little bit. So um, in, I'm going to stick with your analogy there. What is the most rock and roll? It doesn't have to actually be rock and roll, but like what is the most Jake thing that you have put her into? And what is the most of her things that you have had to try to f- kind of figure out? Oh my goodness! Um, she actually, if you want to talk about the reverse, she she loves uh, ACDC, okay? uh, <laughs> which I was never really into. I, I didn't not dislike them. It was just you know they they were never my cup of tea. So uh, when that comes on the car, I might reach to change it, and she goes, "No, we're going to listen to that." <laughs> um, Country wise. Um, uh, again, kind of going back into the era, um, you know, she was a big Garth Brooks fan, uh, Brooks and Dunn, mm-hmm. um, and, and people like that, that now I have my country list of, you know, a lot of songs that I'll listen to in its rotation uh, when I work out. As far as music that I've turned her on to, uh, I, I, obviously Jethro Tull, because she never listened to that growing up oh, in, okay, uh, cool. in Southern Oregon, and she's been to... Uh, three uh, Jethro Tull concerts with me in our 38 uh, years of marriage. You've been to 13? Is that right? I, I was trying to, when we were preparing for this, yeah. I was trying to go back and, and remember. So it, it it's at least 13 that I can recall. <laughs> I, I didn't want to you know overshoot. Hey, what did you want to do when you were growing up or, or even in like high school? I, I think there was that period where, again, my dad was a contractor, and uh, my brothers and I, we got to work for him on uh, summers and weekends. And for a while, I, th- there was that kind of thing. You're going to be like your dad, and you're going to do what your dad does. Um, and then as I was getting into junior high and high school, and sports were becoming a bigger part of me, uh, I knew that I wanted to do something in sports because it was fun. You know, working for my dad was not fun. Uh <laughs> Uh, he loved it. He loved everything <laughs> that, about yeah. it. Um, in fact, I tell the story, you know, I, I obviously I love teaching and coaching and, and did it for 41 years. Uh, he felt the same way uh, about, you know, his job as a contractor and designer and builder that I did about coaching. He mm-hmm. loved it. You know, he, he thought it was great. But uh, um, in college, uh, there was a time where I did – I worked at the college radio station and, you know, was that campus DJ and, and did some other things. Fun. Um, and I think that helped me later on where um, you're the high school AD and the uh, public address announcer doesn't show up. So you you, you got to do it. You just get going, yeah. And, and people would say, oh, you've got a great voice. Have you ever done this before? Uh, about a million times. <laughs> uh, so th- there was that component, but – you know, the whole sports and coaching, you know, that uh, was always uh, or became, you know, my, my love in, in college. And, and that's where my uh, career took me. So um, I got to do something that I love to do. I think very much like you. Yeah, it's true. Uh, how did you fall into the podcast? How did that start? 
right. To make a very long story short, <laughs> um, two years ago, uh, retired after 41 years as a teacher, a coach, and an athletic director. Going into my final year as an AD uh, in our Florida association, um, the year before you become the president, and if you stick around long enough, it becomes your turn. It was my turn to be president. So the year before, you're the president-elect, and you have one job, and that's to organize the annual conference that year. So um, it's my turn, and our conference is in May, uh, but I was just uh, – uh, type A, anal retentive. So I had our workshops, our instructional courses, our keynote speaker, the hotel arrangements, everything's ready to go by October. Right? <laughs> so we are good to go. It's going to be the best conference ever. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then um, in February, this is the year of COVID. So uh, like many other events of that nature, we made the decision, you know, we need to cancel. Well, we had to cancel. It was yeah. Florida. Yeah. So this was in February. Um, in March, uh, our national organization uh, for athletic directors, the, some were already scheduled, but they uh, unleashed a schedule of um, webinars, and this was before anybody knew what Zoom was, right? Um, of professional development uh, presentations on a variety of topics for coaches and ADs to try and kind of fill the gap because there were a couple other states that had to do the same thing. And I was... Uh, already in their rotation. And so in March, I'm presenting with another person uh, in kind of a Zoom format. And I got to thinking, well, hey, we could do this for our state conference. I could reach out to our workshop presenters, which I did. Hey, would you be interested in doing a a Zoom? What's Zoom? Uh, A Zoom workshop on this date. And so in April of that year, we did two weeks. Uh, we did two two a week or two a day. So we did twenty two Zoom <laughs> workshops exactly, um, and we we didn't charge for it. Uh, we promoted it on Facebook and Twitter and and through the athletic director network, and we had um, almost a thousand athletic directors from across the country and a couple international ads log in to at least one of those workshops, and it was just it was really kind of cool. End of that story. Um, in May, I got a call from two athletic directors in Georgia who host uh, a podcast that they call Hanging with the AD. And they had started that in January when COVID was already hitting as just kind of a way to, you know, connect athletic directors and let them know that, you know, hey, we're dealing with the same things that you are. And they said, hey, Jake, we heard about uh, your Zoom workshops. Would you like to come on? I said, yeah, sure. You know, what's a podcast? Um, And uh, they were just so welcoming, so professional, so cool. And it was fun to, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. And, uh, you know, what are some things you do at your school that you're really proud of? And what's some advice for other athletic directors? Um, I I got to thinking, hey, I could do this for our Florida athletic directors um, and help promote, you know, our profession in Florida. And so I literally got on the computer and Googled, how do you do a podcast? (laughs) Uh, And in June, so like a month later, um, we did our first interview. Uh, We'd done 14 or 15, um, you know, a couple of weeks because, again, I'm anal retentive. I want to get that content. Uh, and I get a call from an athletic director in Nebraska 
that I'd been on a committee with. And he goes, hey, Jake, I've been listening to the podcast, which just completely floored me. I go, geez. That's that- how it felt when you sent me an email. <laughs> somebody's actually listening. Uh, and he goes, uh, it's really cool. Can I be a guest? And I go, well, sure. And so uh, we did his Zoom. Uh, Steve Throney, thank you. Um, and uh, um, here we are, not quite two years later. Uh, we're heard in all 50 states. We're heard in 51 countries. Uh, for our niche audience, athletic directors, we get downloaded about uh, 12, 1,300 times a week. Right on. Uh, it's not Joe Rogan numbers, <laughs> but uh, you know, we, we feel pretty good well, about that. Well, one day, maybe. One we'll day. Move, we'll all move to Texas. Uh, and, uh, um, as I tell people, um, you know, we'll keep doing it as long as people keep listening. So it, it's it's I fell into it literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy doing it uh, as I'm sure you enjoy asking yeah. the questions and hearing the answers. Um, and it's um, it's a way for me to stay connected to the profession. So that's that's my podcast story. And what's your podcast called? It's called the Educational AD Podcast. Uh, we talk about. Athletics in a school setting as being educational athletics. So the Educational AD podcast, we're heard on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google, um, Spotify, Anchor is our home platform. And uh, we also upload our Zoom recordings. Uh, we're not quite as intricate as the production qualities here. Well, uh, we are a media Purdue. station here. <laughs> but uh, we use Zoom and yeah. we upload the Zoom recordings to our YouTube channel, which is also the Educational AD Podcast. Awesome. Thanks for uh, walking us through that. All right. Let's uh, let's let's do your second song here. Um, what did you bring for your second song? Well, uh, again, I'm, uh, I'm 64 years old. And so I, I'm kind of looking at this in, um, in life segments. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, first 30 years, you know, you're Growing up, you're going to school, you're getting started on your career. Uh, we started, uh, my wife and I, you know, we started our family in our late 20s. Um, so this second 30-year segment, sure? which I'm currently in, maybe creeping into my third. Uh, but the second one, uh, for me, it was about family. And uh, I already shared, uh, you know, my interest in music, where that came from. And so... Uh, that second section was about my kids, and I, I just—it was just very vivid uh, as I was thinking about songs that were, you know, what comes to your mind initially, were those songs that, um, you know, uh, we would sing to our kids um, at bedtime or uh, or in the car, you know, as, as we're playing our tape, those mixtapes that I had created for myself, and. Um, um, for me, I, I think the song that I can hear it now, and I'm again instantly transported back to that time, was the Beatles' uh, "Obla di, Obla da." And, and as I told you in, in the notes, uh, many people might say that's not, you know, McCartney and Lennon's finest hour, but uh, I just know our kids, our, all three of our kids, you know, just really enjoyed. The melody and the lyrics and kind of the sing-along uh, aspect to it. And uh, as I said, I, I can't hear that song without instantly being transported back to bedtime with um, all three of our kids. And your kids' names are? Uh, Megan is our oldest, mm-hmm. uh, Tyson or TJ in the middle, and then Aaron is our youngest daughter. All right. Well, uh, let's hear it. Let's go back to bedtime, putting the kids down to bed. This is Jake Vaughn Shear's second song on Three Song Stories from the Beatles off their 1968 album of the same name, a.k.a. the White Album. It's Obla Di, Obla Da. You did that with each of your kids. They all know that song. Oh, absolutely. Do you, um, is there maybe a 
chance that your granddaughter is going to know that song, do you think? Uh, I think that's probably going to be on, on her playlist, too, along with, you know, some others. Uh, I, again, it's um, um, you're, you're tucking your kid in and, you know, sing me a song, Daddy. Mm-hmm. And, oh, geez, what am I going to sing? Uh, it's not going to be Barney or something like right. that. But uh, you sing the songs you, you can't you go remember. with ACDC either. <laughs> it's, you know. Although there's a couple of songs that uh, – Lyrically, they might have been questionable. But yeah, they, they, they had a great tune. <laughs> but anyway, oh yeah, uh, and there's there's a debate uh, about whether to do Obladi um, for this show or uh, Penny Lane, which is another favorite of the kids, just sure. because of the images uh, yeah. that, that are included. But uh, for me, Obladi. That's yeah. That's kind of a lullaby mm-hmm. lyrically as well. Um, so uh, you know, when we did the pilot for this show. Um, I was the guest as a proof of concept. Mike interviewed me. And uh, my second song was from a video game. Um, so there's no words uh, in that. It was just um, a melody from it. Um, and, I and love it when he tells the story. Oh, thanks, Jared. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, from from maybe one of the best games ever, um, which features music very deeply because you play a lot of it to make things happen in the game. Um, there's a song. And it's so silly to me that this became the thing because... It's not like a really impactful song, I don't think, anyway, but you just play it and the horse in the game comes to you wherever you are. But but because I, you use it so much, it's just in my head. Like you said, it's something you, I knew, the melody, and it's it was really strong. And I hadn't played this for, you know, 15, 12, no, 15 years, you know, when my daughter was born. And the first night um, that we were in the hospital and Chrissy was, you know, she was out. She was unconscious. Um, and uh, and my, my less than a day old daughter was crying. And I just started humming that. I just, like you said, mm-hmm. my brain said, what do, you, what do you know that you can do over and over and over and over again? And so I hummed that to her um, for a long time. Um, and then still, last night, uh, she's, she's nine and change. Mm-hmm. But um, if she's awake when bedtime, you know, when, when we're all ready to say goodnight, sometimes I'll just hum and she'll drop. <laughs> it's great. Um, so... Uh, do your kids ever listen to music that you just do not have a way to grapple with? <laughs> like any song or songs or musicians that you're like, I don't understand that. Uh, well, of course, uh, <laughs> because I think that every generation, uh, yeah. you know, that, that's, uh, um, whether they are punishing you for making, <laughs> making them listen to your music, uh, how do or, they take Jethro Tull? Are big fans? Our kids? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think they know Jethro Tull because they've heard me mention it, say it. Uh, they know that I went to, um, uh, the 50th anniversary tour with my best friend, Ray. Um, so that they know of it, but, um, I, I don't think it's on any of their playlists, right. but, um, when our oldest daughter will be riding in the car with us, sometimes she'll plug her device into our auxiliary and she'll play, you know, songs from the past or artists that we know, but, you know, they also have their own. Um, uh, our, our son had a rap period because that's when he was in high school. Yeah. Um, what was that one song I remember? I don't know the artist. Uh, the name of the song was Riding Dirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you might remember that from your era. <laughs> I do remember that. Um, our... Uh, <laughs> Our, uh, Chameleonaire. Yeah, Chameleonaire <laughs> is the name of it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll look that up when I get out of here. No, you won't. <laughs> uh, um, our, our daughters listen to, and they'll probably cringe when I, I say this, kind of the, that folk, you know, current era 
uh, oh, like uh, old, indie, indie, yeah, yeah there mm-hmm. you go, indie uh, artists. Which again, um, you know, one song. That's uh, interesting, but hearing the entire album, eh, got no, it. it, got it, it. Can we change the channel, please? Um, do you listen to music on the radio in your car? A hundred percent. Awesome. I'll uh, um, if we can't find a station, which seems um, in driving through Florida, um, you know, then NPR typically comes hey, on. Thanks. Occasionally, we'll you know plug the phone in and listen to one of my playlists. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. driving down here today, right um, you know, had the radio on. What was the last time you bought music that had a physical form? Um, it, it was probably seven or eight years ago. I was going through my uh, album collection, which at one time uh, back in the day was uh, over a thousand. Yeah. Uh, and now through moves and you know other things, it, it's probably uh, you know in maybe that six or seven hundred range. But um, I was going through the albums on the shelf one day and couldn't find a Jethro Tull album mm. uh, stand-up. Uh, it was missing. So I had to go out and buy um, uh, one. It took me a while to find it at the classic uh, record store. But, so you got, uh, so you, got, you got vinyl of it, not a CD. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. uh, record player at home then? Record player at home. Right on. Okay. Um, again, you... Where do you get your needles? You get them from Radio Shack, uh, which uh, is <laughs> – What? What's a radio <laughs> Exactly. Shack? Yeah. Um, I miss Radio Shack. Likewise. <laughs> you know, uh, you mentioned uh, CD. There, there might have been a stray CD purchase uh, along the way. Don't ask me what it was. It was probably something for Jan uh, in a country genre. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, what's the last concert that you went to or a live performance of any kind? Um. I guess it would be the I mentioned the um, uh, 50th anniversary uh, concert of Jethro Tull. Uh, that tour a few years ago um, did that out in Portland, Oregon. Uh, we were out there for my mom's celebration of life. Mm-hmm. But um, later that same year, back in Tallahassee, where we were living, uh, my wife surprised me with uh, tickets. We went and saw 50th anniversary. You just sense the theme here uh, of ZZ Top. Uh, Ooh, you know, so all three okay. of the boys were still together there. Uh, so I think that's probably the last uh, live concert we went to. Um, the furthest you've ever traveled to see a band or performer. I'm sure I'm going to mess this up. Um, but we won't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Only um, your wife will probably know. Um, I mean, it's not like a, you know, a three-day, thousand-mile trip. Sure. But uh, I guess the furthest we went um, – was a few years ago again living in Tallahassee. Uh, we drove, and it was, I surprised my wife. Uh, we drove to Jacksonville, so about two and a half hours. Yeah, okay. Uh, and uh, saw uh, Chicago and the Doobie Brothers on the same Ooh, bill. It's a yeah. good doublehead right there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, if you could see any act um, at their peak, living or dead, who would you see? I, I know it's it's kind of a cop out, but I, I guess you have to be the Beatles. I mean, you know who else? It's a good answer. Yeah, you know, who else? Uh, you know, would it be? You know, right. Maybe maybe the Rolling Stones. Uh, but uh, um, you know, that's just to be at one of those um, events where you couldn't even hear the music because <laughs> the crowd <laughs> was so loud. Yeah, just to say, hey, I was there. Um, are you into um, musical stage performance at all? Plays anything like that? Um. Contemporary stuff, not really, uh, but occasionally something comes along and um, you 
whether you're forced to watch it or you end <laughs> up watching it, hey, that was pretty good. Uh, but, you know, the, the those classic, um, you know, movie musicals, mm-hmm. you know, growing up, certainly a part of my life, uh, going all the way back to, um, you know, something like Guys and Dolls. Uh, right on. Uh, so. Um, do you have um, a favorite movie theme or uh, soundtrack, like a song from a movie that you're like, that's <laughs> like you would listen to it separate from the movie? Um, well, maybe not the entire soundtrack, but uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> My friends uh, will tell you that, you know, my movie tastes, uh, that's the holy trinity of the R's, uh, Rocky, mm. Road Warrior, and the original Rollerball with James Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. Okay. And there's some, you know, the theme from Rocky, you know, uh, the original Rocky, you know, who can't get excited about that. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a song uh, in uh, Rollerball that I'll frequently replay. Um um, that um, it, it's classical music, uh, and I'm not going to butcher the the name because I, I can't remember. It, but it's the scene where you familiar with the movie? I have seen it, and okay. in fact, I have a roll. Uh, this is the tiniest one, two sentence rollerball story. I saw rollerball in like when I was at uh, CSCA in high school. Um, we were in, we had like a free period basically, and there was no lesson for that day. And whichever teacher. It might have been – it wasn't you because I don't think I had you for any classes, but whichever teacher was like, we're going to watch something classic, and they put yeah. Rollerball on James Conn. Yeah, that's the first time I saw that movie. Okay. The scene where he is um, – uh, the corporate world has sent his original uh, – his first wife, who he lost to a corporate executive back to try to convince him to drop out of the game. Uh, when he realizes that she's not there because she wants to get back with him, but she wants him to quit – uh, he goes back to the house and he has this uh, collection. It's a futuristic story. He has a collection of all these home movies mm. of them. And the classical music is playing in the background. He's sitting there, you know, so pathetic on the couch. And she walks in and, uh, you know, he gives the line, you know, you're the only woman I ever loved. You know, you're you know, the uh, only thing that kept me going. And uh, he hits the uh, erase button. And, you know, the she... So it's crushing on a number of levels, yeah. but uh, my wife hates it when I play that song. <laughs> but is, uh, <laughs> is it um, is it um, the organ one? It's not the introductory organ one, which I think is is probably Bach. Uh, yes, that's yeah, that's Toccata yeah. in D minor. Um, yeah, there you go, Toccata. I want to say it's Adagio something. Um, oh yeah, um, uh, Al. Ooh, that is hard to say. <laughs> um, Albinoni. Albinoni Adagio. is the is the composer. Yeah, yeah, it's the Adagio. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's good piece of music. Though. It's great piece of music. <laughs> Uh, I think we're going to come up here on your last song. Do you want to tell the story or do you want to listen first? What do you want to? Um, I think I'll go and tell the story because uh, people might hear it and go, what the heck is, is that? <laughs> As I mentioned, a um, um, couple years ago, uh, we went out to uh, Portland for my mother's um, celebration of life. You know, she uh, passed away at 94, um, you know, connections to uh, Alzheimer's. Um, you know, my mom was was ju- just great. Just, you know, big supporter of mine, you know, big booster. She was a mom. I mean, mm. she was great. But uh, also uh, incredibly active uh, into her um, 60s, 70s, 80s, and even her 90s before Alzheimer's kicked in. Um, you know, she was a, uh, she became uh, a professional painter, you know, had hmm. galleries and shows. Um, she was part of a, a touring group 
of uh, you know senior women with aerobics. Uh, she uh, when she was. 68, I want to say, maybe 69, she joined the Peace Corps and went to Costa Rica. Uh, <laughs> just crazy active. Yeah. Right? Um, and so uh, it was really, uh, it was tough to see, you know, the memory fade and, and, and all those effects kick in. We actually had her come and live with us uh, for uh, what turned into her final two years in Tallahassee. My wife took a leave from her job to become her full-time caretaker. Um, so um, about, um, I, I'm going to say maybe, let's say two months ago, <clears throat> part of our normal getting ready for bed routine, uh, my wife will say, you know, Alexa, play so-and-so, you know, play Patsy Cline, mm-hmm. and we'll just listen to a few songs. So, a couple months ago, she says, uh, Alexa, play Glenn Campbell. And, uh, of course, you know, as we're getting ready, we're brushing our teeth, you know, um, you know, gentle on my mind. And by the time I get to Phoenix and Rhinestone Cowboy, Cowboy. Yeah, yeah. of course, uh, they're playing. And then this song comes on and uh, I, I, I'd never heard it. So I'm s- sort of kind of listening to it. Um, and you know, what, what did he just say? And uh, when it was over. Uh, I, had, I go, Alexa, you know, play, you know, that song again. Uh, it was called I'm Not Gonna Miss You. Uh, and I, I think it was recorded back in 2010 or something like that. Uh, as I found out when Glenn Campbell was going through, and his, he was very public about it, yeah. you know, his challenges with Alzheimer's. Uh, and as I heard that song, as it's playing the second time, you know, I think Jan might have stepped out of the room. And just, you know, the, the haunting melody and his voice, which you can tell he's old, yeah. uh, but it's still Glenn Campbell, um, who I think I probably saw on the Glenn Campbell show in junior high or high school. Anyway, it, it's just you know, like, wow, what a song. Uh, and, of course, I'm thinking about my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jan comes back in. I go, Jan, did you hear this song? She goes, yeah. So I said, well, did you hear the lyrics? No. Because um, she hears the title, I'm not going to miss you. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you're kicking your girlfriend to the side or something yeah. like that. Sounds like um, I'm Going to Jackson by yeah. Johnny Cat. Like a, like, a fun, like a fun, like I'm not right, going to miss right, you. Right, right, right. Yeah. But it's uh, not. It's not. Not at all. And uh, so um, play the song a third time for Jan. And by the time the song's over, she's literally bawling, you know, her mm-hmm. eyes out. Because um, she's remembering the same things I am, uh, you know, about, you know, my mom. So uh, I included that as my third song. You know, as I talked about, um, you know, the, well, the first song, Jethro Tull, and, you know, going to the 50th anniversary concert as part of my mom's celebration. And then the other thing I mentioned about, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my life in, in three parts here. Mm-hmm. So as I'm, I move from part two, you know, the kids and now the grandkids moving mm-hmm. into my third part, whatever that third act is going to be. Um, you know, I, I I want to be around for my 70s, 80s, and 90s. I want to be just as active as my mom was for me and yeah. her grandkids and everybody else. And, you know, that um, uh, that, that song just seemed like a, a, a touchstone type of moment. Uh, I already knew I wanted to do that, but it was just very galvanizing. So you know, I want to make sure that I'm there and I want to make sure I'm trying to do uh, you know, right by my kids and, and my granddaughter and everybody else. So that's how that song 
came to be included. Uh, it wasn't from my youth or my past. It's from right now. It's but, from your past two months ago. Yeah, uh, it's still it's, a story. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's why I chose that song. Sure. All right. Um, what's your mom's name? Anne. Anne. All right. Well, um, we're going to listen back now. This is uh, Jake Von Sheer's third song on Three Song Stories. It's I'm Not Gonna Miss You, which is the last song ever recorded by Glenn Campbell. Um, it was released on the 2014 documentary about Campbell titled I'll Be Me. I'm not gonna miss you. You know, my mom, when I was a little kid, you know, um, you know, Maybe I fell down, scraped my knee or something, but she's comforting me. And, uh, you know, in high school and, you know, those, she came, uh, my first job as a head football coach, you know, 100 years ago back in Oregon. Uh, you know, she drove out there uh, with my dad. Um, and <laughs> we uh, we lost that game. And, um, um, you know, so I'm football coach, but I'm with my parents. I'm trying to be, I was obviously very grumpy. And uh, my mom uh, says, uh, you know, I just remembered, uh, you know, when I was in high school, you know, we used to sing this song or we used to have this cheer or something. Uh, and uh, do you want to hear it? And I oh, am, yeah, mom. Yeah, yeah, it's here. So this is my mom who is, you know, probably in her 60s, late 60s at this time. Uh, it was uh, she went to high school in nineteen graduated in nineteen forty two. Mm-hmm. So kick him in the right knee, kick him in the left knee, kick him in the we need a touchdown. <laughs> and she just starts laughing and <laughs> cackling. I just go, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, and then you know when she came in uh, to live with us those last two years and uh, and everything and and you know one I remember one of the songs that she would sing to me when I was very very young. I was singing to her. Uh, uh, you know, in, at your in house, yeah. Yeah. so um, again, just the whole, the whole full circle. What mm. song was that? Uh, it was. I don't know where it came from. Sure. I'm sure it was from a movie, but it was called "Heart of My Heart." Okay. Um, yeah, she was a mom. She was a mom. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, all right. We are gonna do um, just a, like a like a speed round here. We're just gonna hit you with some questions first. What is a song that you wish you could hear again for the first time? Yeah, it popped into my mind probably uh, because I I recently heard it, but it brought back memories of the first time I heard it uh, in college. Uh, I was a big uh, Alan Parsons Project fan. And so the um, the Can't Take It With You from their Pyramid. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's a good answer. Um, (laughs) What do you think your 14-year-old self would think about uh, you today and kind of how things went? Well, my 14-year-old self was um, <laughs> just not probably, you know, was immature and kind of a jerk. Yeah. He was 14-year-old. <laughs> uh, so probably look at, you know, the athletic director, the head football coach, uh, dean of students for a couple years mm-hmm. uh, and, and say, just shake the head. <laughs> I can't believe it. But uh, hopefully there would be that recognition of, uh, eh, he probably did pretty good. What would you tell him if you could tell him something? Um, I, I just uh, I just got back recently. I presented to the North Carolina Athletic Directors uh, Association and uh, talking about tools. Uh, and uh, I, I shared with them, this is one of the most important tools that a, a leader can have. And it was a tool that I um, learned how to use far too late in my career, obviously far too late in my life. 
and that is listen. And I think I told them these very words, you know, shut up and listen. Okay. Um, so that's what I would tell that 14 year old. <laughs> he'd shake his head and he'd say, shut up and listen. Um, <clears throat> do you karaoke ever? Is that something? Um, occasionally. And if you, if you, we're not going to make you, <laughs> but if you had, if you were dropped into a karaoke bar and had to sing right now, uh, what's like a go-to song? Well, my, my go-to has been, but I, I'm trying to find a new one uh, because, again, I'm 64. So my, my go-to song was the Beatles, big surprise, mm. uh, saw her standing there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So to go, she was just 17, you know what I mean. Uh, Starts to wear a little bit. There's a creepiness Yeah, I get there. that. Yeah. I get that. So uh, I'm trying, I'll listen to a song and surprisingly, some have been some country songs and I'll think to myself. Hey, I could do that in mm. karaoke, but uh, haven't unveiled haven't it found yet. one yet. No. All right, okay, keep working. Um, if you were a pro wrestler, what would be your walk on music? Um, uh, th- th- when I first heard this question, um, <laughs> what, what popped into my head was um, "Eye of the Tiger." Sure. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, it's a. It, mm-hmm. Listen, it is popular for a reason. <laughs> totally okay. Um. Uh, if you had a bartender friend and they were going to design a drink inspired by you, um, how what would they make? How would they make it? You mean the ingredients? Yeah, like or what the, kind of thing would they make? Yeah, if they what, were inspired by you, what kind of thing would they make? Uh, that uh, the initial taste would be, um, you know, very bold, <laughs> uh, maybe even a bit off-putting. Uh, but uh, that aftertaste would be very smooth and satisfying. What is a flavor of something like that for you? My palate, yeah. I, I think um, uh, both my wife and my son, who's become a little bit of a chef, uh, uh, they say my palate is very boring, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, from a drink standpoint, um, I, I don't have spirits that often. Yeah. But uh, rum and Coke is kind of my go-to. I, I've liked different types of rum. Uh, I'm an IPA guy right now. Uh, you know, give me a good uh, IPA. Off-putting, then smooth. See, the ex- those hops, people aren't yeah. ready for them sometimes. Uh, do you have an IPA of choice if you had to? Uh, my favorite um, uh, that I've come across is actually one of Oregon. It's called Full Sail. Okay. Uh, locally here in Florida, uh, Proof Brewing out of Tallahassee, uh, 850. That's the area code up there. Okay. So uh, this is going to be an 850 mixed with Coke <laughs> to, to even out the bitterness. Just even out the bitterness. Off so. putting it first, but then later, probably okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've written down every almost every word. Spectacular! I'm glad, I'm glad we a small paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> um, now you have to name that. Now I have to name yeah, that. Yeah, what's the menu name uh, for that item? Let's call it the the eight five no. Oh, love it! Oh, that's so good. <laughs> um, if you could broadcast uh, any song into the head of every person in the world simultaneously, what song would you send? Oh my goodness. Have you asked this question before? We have. Okay. I, yeah. It's not sticking out in my pre-show uh, research. Uh, any song, um, I'll, I'll go with, um, you know, my, my go-to, you know, um, you know, for Jethro Tull um, and um, just um, do locomotive breath. Ooh, just insert some, I don't even, jazz fusion 
rock flute into people's brains. That's I great. love that idea. Yeah. A lot of confused people probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, are there any albums that if you listen to it, you've got to listen to like the whole album? Like you don't do singles on it. Um, one of my favorites to do that is um, um, Joe Walsh um, that um, the has the one song that everybody's heard, uh, Life's Been Good to Me So Far. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But – and that's a pretty good song. But all of the other songs I just really enjoy. And, um, you know, if, if that comes on the radio – and it's usually – Life's been good to me so far. That's the one. Um, yeah. His Maserati does 185. Right. <laughs> uh, I'll go to my phone and I'll start playing you know, mm. the whole album. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It jump starts you into the yep. into the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the but seriously, but folks seriously, album. folks. Yes. Uh-huh. Great uh, cover art on that too. Yeah. Was, <laughs> oh yeah, with the aviator glasses and the mm-hmm. picnic thing. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, oh. What album would you choose if you could only listen to one for the rest of your life? Well, uh, I'm sure no no shock here. Uh, Living in the Past, uh, Jethro Tull. Jethro Tull. It's a double album, so you're smart. So you're maximizing and the, like the way you're thinking. Uh, the 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 range of stylings on that. You know, some of his earlier releases and and, and later in his career. Um, I, I think that's a good um, good mix. All right, and um, it is time for you to recommend three people uh, who you'll share this podcast with once it releases, and who you think might be good guests uh, for us to reach out to. Well, I've got to start uh, with my best friend Ray Ray Cochran. Uh, he lives up in the state of Washington, but. Um, um, I, I, big Jethro Tull fan, but I think his musical taste extend beyond that. <laughs> uh, um, still, you know, after we met in junior high, and, and we still, you know, talk frequently. Um, I guess the second guest would be uh, Joe Hayes. Okay, and uh, Joe Hayes, a longtime coach here in Florida, but now he works with a fundraising company. Um, he actually. Um, Sort of, well, he tried to, but I give him credit for turning me on to podcasts and, hey. and was the single most shocked person when he heard I was doing a podcast because I was always, eh, I really don't want to do that. It seems to have worked out. <laughs> um, and then um, I guess my third recommendation, um, uh, I'm going to go with uh, the best boss uh, that I ever had in education, and that's uh, James Milford. He's the uh, head of school at the McClay School up in Tallahassee, Florida. I, I think he would have uh, a pretty good library to share. All right. Well, uh, we will try to reach out to one or all of those people in the future and see if we can get them on the show. Uh, that sounds like a good time all around. Um, so do you have any final thoughts about this whole thing? Well, um, for those who haven't picked up on, uh, you know, I was Richard's uh, football coach <laughs> yeah. uh, for his senior year in high school. Uh, I was hired um, and um, um, spent uh, eight years at, uh, at Coral Springs Christian Academy. Uh, Richard was one of uh, – or he was part of that first group of uh, football players that we ended we, up calling the Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers, Yeah. 
Uh, and we are, for the last couple of years, we've talked about having a Band of Brothers reunion. True, true. Uh, and I, I, we're hoping to maybe do it this coming summer. Um, you know, Bo Drake, your position coach, yep, yep. Uh, who now goes by John Drake. He's an mm-hmm. assistant principal up in North Carolina. Uh, Adam Greenfield, uh, who was another assistant coach, mm-hmm. uh, George Laporte. Um, I George. Okay, we've been yeah. trying to hammer down a, a weekend. George State, he ended up coaching after graduation at the school, didn't he? He did for a couple yeah. years, and now he's an assistant coach and teacher uh, at uh, Stoneman Douglas High School. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, we're going to try to get a date and, uh, you know, um, We'll get that information out as soon as possible. But it's been great, you know, reconnecting with you, uh, you know, after, as you said, you know, 20 <laughs> plus years. Yeah. Well, you're still coach. Thanks for being on. This has been really fun for me. So when, when again, we listened to, we were listening to the story and uh, uh, actually I think I had heard the commercial before the story uh, and, you know, hey, I coached that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Media on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Mike Canary is co-creator and host. Richard Chinqui is co-creator, producer, and host. Tara Calgan is our online content producer and host. Audio production is by Jared the Intern Gonzalez. And Chris Duffus is our executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For our parting tune this week, we're going back one year to episode 164 with Annabelle Tomatich a.k.a. food critic Jean Leboeuf for the news press about her very first job in the kitchen. I remember sitting down with one of the managers and he was like, I'm sorry, what? I was like, I would like to be a cook. He's like, what? why? I was like, I don't, I don't really know. I just, I just want to. And I would come in. I was the prep girl in the morning. And it was my job to chop cilantro and onions and tomatoes and jalapenos and green onions. Big stacks, like boxes. And it was my job to turn them into mince them or dice them or whatever the different preparations needed to be. The only other person who was in at the time was our sous chef, kind of, the guy who was in charge of all the sauces and all the, all the stuff that had to be consistent every time. He'd have his music playing, and it was this, like, kind of Nortenia, like, accordion, you know, northern Mexican music. And as soon as he heard me come in, he would pop a cassette tape into his radio, little radio, and he would play this like mix of country songs that would kick off with Kenny Chesney's I Think Your Tractor's Sexy. <laughs> and that was like his, I think that was like his kind of profiling of me was that I was he not. He pegged you for a right, country western Like a chick? country bumpkin girl. <laughs> um, and I, I, it, was, I mean, it was very nice in a way that he was like, oh, you know, someone else is here. I'm going to, you know, play he music. He acknowledged that, you. Yeah, to play music that I think she likes. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. I think that you should be able to do a little jump in an elevator without it breaking.